Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, this Friday edition of Locked On Hornets. The week is ending, but for the Hornets, it's a big game coming up tonight. Their week is just beginning. They've got a ton of games coming up. This the start of it against the Atlanta Hawks. This is Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Doug Branson. No David Walker today, but we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, speaking of the network, I've got Locked On Hawks host, Brad Rowland coming up. He is seriously, he's one of the smartest basketball guys on this entire network. I don't say that lightly. We don't certify many SBGs, but he is a certified smart basketball guy. Love the Locked On Podcast Network because it gives us an opportunity to talk to guys like that when we match up. And uh, you can find Locked On Hawks, you can find Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just go to iTunes and search Locked On, and you'll find all kinds of podcasts. NFL, golf, fantasy sports, anything. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Okay, a little news before we do get to that preview, though. Gotta mention this, the Hornets deciding to assign, this happened uh, on Thursday, yesterday, Hornets assigning Aaron Harrison and Christian Wood to the Greensboro Swarm. Uh, both of those guys not getting much playing time with the Hornets, obviously. Uh, so this is where having the Greensboro Swarm will be a, a big advantage for the Hornets because they can easily send these two down to get some playing time to improve their skills. And this is the big thing. They're going to have full control over how those players are played in terms of minutes, in terms of role. They have the control. That's the biggest key to... Uh, to developing. I mean, this this franchise has had trouble developing players, and and this gives them the opportunity to do that. It also tells you that Trevion Graham has done enough to merit a spot on this roster, and it also tells you that depth at the small forward position still an issue. Trevion Graham had to step in and start for an injured Michael Kidd Gilchrist against Toronto last Friday. So Trevion Graham, his job is safe for now. And and he's uh, he's sitting on the bench. He's still in Charlotte, not going to Greensboro. Okay, Hornets take on the Hawks tonight. This is a huge one, folks, because the Hawks are eight and two, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. They they might get star center Dwight Howard back for this one. He did not play in the last game, but it looks like he may play in this one. That could change by the time you listen to this. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets for the latest information about both teams but this is a chance for the Hornets to prove that they can beat an elite Eastern Conference team and that's what the Atlanta Hawks are don't 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 uh, don't be fooled this is this is still a good basketball team and uh, you know they may have they, they they gave up Jeff Teague that's true 
uh, Kyle Korver may not be the three-point shooter that he used to be, but Dwight Howard has played well for them when he when he when he wasn't hurt, and and this is a good basketball team, and the Hornets have lost games now to Boston, Cleveland, Toronto. Okay, those are three good ball clubs. The Hornets have to prove that they can beat a very good ball club. This will be their first opportunity, and it's at home, in front of the home crowd. Got to show, and I think it'll be a big home crowd. Friday night games can can stack up. You can stack up some fans on a Friday night. So the Hornets have some work to do. They'll play the Hawks, 7 o'clock p.m. tip. And we've got a very special guest, Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks. We talk We talk about everything. We even talk, We I got one question in. If you're an Atlanta Braves fan, he covers the Braves as well. Got one little question in there about the Braves. Enjoy. All right, Brad, it's crossover episode time. I, you know, Brad, I honestly, I don't do these uh, crossovers much. I usually just sort of exchange uh, a couple of minutes of information with another Locked On podcast. But for you, I made an exception because I, I just, I just love uh, hearing you talk basketball, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to chat it up with you for a few minutes. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, the feeling is the feeling is mutual. This is actually going to be a pretty big game too. I think it's you know for being November. Uh, there's a lot to talk about um, for these two teams and, uh, you know, a division rivalry for whatever that actually is worth in the NBA. Uh, these two teams are, you know, it's four hours away and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Well, last season, it was actually worth something because uh, both both of these teams and uh, along with Miami were right in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference and tiebreakers uh, came down to divisional games for some of these some of these teams. So, I think it means it means more than than it lets on sometimes. And I think the Eastern Conference will be close again this year. It, it seems like kind of five teams in the Eastern Conference sort of separating themselves right now: Charlotte, the Hawks, Cleveland, Toronto. Uh, throw uh, who else are we throw it in there? Um, the Chicago Bulls, maybe. Ooh, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think I'd, I still have Boston ahead of Chicago, but I understand why people probably wouldn't just because they've had such a rough start. But yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, uh, the, both these teams that we're talking about are in the upper tier, as much as it looks like at this point. And uh, I was I was wrong, I think, about the Hawks, potentially. I was pretty low on them actually coming into the year, and I've looked like a fool to this point, which is fine. It's always better when, uh, you're, when, when you're wrong on the, on, the, on, the, on the side of being too negative as to being too positive. Well, listen, Brad, when you're podcasting, it's okay to look like a fool. As long as you don't sound like a fool, it's totally fine. <laughs> hey, let's let's kick things off by asking, maybe asking each other the sort of the burning question that our fans, our respective fans have about the other team. I think obviously on the Hawks side, we got to talk about Dwight Howard suffered the injury a few games ago, did not play <clears throat> in your last contest. What's the status update on Dwight? And And tell us, how he's played with uh, the Atlanta Hawks, and then you got a brief look at the Hawks without Dwight Howard, and, and what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, for, you know, in short, Dwight's been fantastic uh, this year. He, he he missed his first game of the season uh, on Wednesday night, and the Hawks managed to get a win without him. Although it was not the best performance I've ever seen, but you know, he's averaging fourteen point eight points and twelve point three rebounds and one point seven blocks a game. And really, frankly, Dwight exceeded any rational expectation I think of his play to this point. And as well as the fit, I think the fit is much better than I thought it might be uh, early on. Uh, the caveat that I've been kind of giving everybody is that this Hawks team has not really played the best schedule to this point but uh, if you look beyond that as much as you possibly can I think it's uh, pretty safe to say that Dwight has been 
been uh, better than advertised. He looks healthy. He looks spry. Uh, he did he did suffer the injury uh, late on Tuesday night that forced him to miss Wednesday's game. But uh, all indications are that, that that will probably be a one game absence. He's listed as listed as questionable for Friday night's game in Charlotte. But I think uh, if you read the tea leaves, I think he's going to play in that game. I wouldn't say it's a, a definite by any means, but uh, I would I'd be surprised if he missed it on Friday night at this point. You know, we're recording this Thursday night, so uh, I don't have the actual you know the absolute scoop there but i think dwight's gonna play and if he does uh you know i kind of want to i want to see him play obviously for just the obvious reasons there but i think it's uh it'd be a good test for both teams if he's able to go because uh, the hawks play differently when he's in the, when he's in the game and uh can really control the paint really kind of dive to the rim offensively and more importantly defensively uh protecting the rim and really owning the glass because the hawks have been as everybody knows that follows the team closely a, a basically a, a horrendous rebounding team for a few years now and that's kind of changed on a dime with the addition of dwight so i think he's been uh, he's been pretty good what have you what have you seen so far well, I, I was listening to your your last podcast, and you talked a little bit about how. And I watched uh, a lot of that game against Milwaukee, and you and you talked about how with Muscala in there in place of Dwight Howard, it looked like the Hawks kind of got back to last year's Bud Ball ball movement, very very quick offense. Uh, whereas maybe with Dwight, that wasn't the case. Is that is that something? Is that a thing? Do they do they slow down a little bit with Dwight? It's funny they they're actually playing at a fast pace for the year, which I was I'm definitely surprised by. They're in the top five right now in, in pace, even with Dwight on the court, uh, which surprises me. But you know, some of that is, is Dennis Schroeder related, I think, and the fact that they're they're so much better on the glass that they're they're able to run a little bit more in transition. But I think it's just different, you know, with Dwight on the court. Um, they might they may be playing faster at a per, per possession basis, but uh, their offense just operates differently with Muscala in there, and even to a lesser extent, Chris Humphreys in there uh, in place of how on Wednesday, it really looked like the old team and that it was much more predicated on ball movement, uh, going side to side and kind of just probing the defense that way. Whereas when Howard's on the court, you see a little bit more pick and roll, a little bit more of, um, you know, not necessarily straight post ups for Howard. It's something that I don't love when they do that. They do they do them sometimes, and that probably is uh, mostly to keep Dwight happy. But I think the offense is just more traditional with Howard on the court. Not that that's bad. It's worked fairly well to this point, but uh, we saw a little bit of what it, what it would look like without him when they kind of reverted back to sort of the old, you know, side to side, really kind of swing, swing the ball around the perimeter, not necessarily uh, get uh, very much in, into the paint uh, against, against uh, the, against the bucks on Wednesday night. So I think with Howard though, you know, that's the right way to play. You want to get it, get him engaged in picking rolls as much as humanly possible. Cause that's probably his best offensive trait right now. is just being that dive man and really just taking the attention away that way and creating space for the Hawks shooters around him but uh it was definitely something that was glaring when he when he was not not able to go on Wednesday night just how how, how different they looked on both ends of the court yeah you know we're twinsies in that respect because the Hornets are actually playing faster apparently the whole league is I I saw a basketball reference tweeted out yeah yeah, that it's up uh, the highest since 90 91 so pace is up everywhere but the Hornets are playing a little faster as well and I think for the Hornets, it's the addition of MKG because he's aggressive and likes to force the action early in the shot clock. And also, I think there's a level of comfort that that the, the especially the starting unit has with one another. 
and and I think it's led to a more ball movement and b they're getting uh, they're getting more uh, open looks earlier in the shot clock and of course Kemba Walker has had his head down towards the rim the entire season so I think that's a couple of the things that's uh, caused their I think their pace is up almost uh, three possessions so uh, that's been big for the Hornets as well uh, I want to ask you I want to ask you this <laughs> how are the Hawks getting away with such great bench play with Tim Hardaway Jr. as your primary bench scorer and I, I bring up that name because I remember you and I talking in the in the off season about the Hawks when we were previewing the Hawks and you were you were a little down on Hardaway Jr. but he has been an absolute uh, key cog in uh, bench production and, and some in bench production that's really held the Hawks together so far early in the season. Yeah, the bench has been fantastic. You're absolutely right about that. My feelings on Hardaway are sort of well documented, <laughs> and I'm sure uh, the listeners to my podcast when they hear this are going to be uh, chuckling along at this point. But Hardaway has has been quite good. I mean, he's averaging almost 13, 13 points a game off the bench. Uh, he's been the leading scorer off the bench and uh, the fourth leading scorer on the team thus far this season. I think and I talked a little bit about it on my on my Thursday show is that I think his numbers around the rim and kind of just within 15 feet of the rim uh, are a little bit inflated. I think he's uh, overperforming a little bit there. But aside from that, you know, Hardaway looks like a different player. He's been very aggressive. He's taking the ball off the dribble. He's uh, he's defending adequately, which is something that I always was a question mark for me with Hardaway. So uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. And uh, really the entire bench this year, you mentioned like the Hawks have been almost carried by the bench at times. Uh, the starting lineup um, is actually one of the worst lineups on the team right now. The starting lineup is negative for the season. And when you look at a, a Hawks team that's 9-2 and two, with a uh, net rating of over 10 per 100 possessions, to think that they have a they have a negative net rating with the starting lineup is almost mind-boggling, but they do. And it's, 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 it's basically just a testament to just how incredible the bench has been. Um, Malcolm Delaney, as a 27-year-old rookie, has been very, very good. Mike Muscala is playing the best basketball of his career. Tapos Afalosha is playing great. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm skeptical that this, this level of play can continue, but I've been higher on the bench than most have been, I would say, in the offseason. So I'm looking smart on that one right now, even with full knowledge that uh, there's no way this is going to continue at this level. But you also have to think that the starters will probably improve just a little bit. It may not be the best uh, best unit in the league or anything like that. But um, I think it's safe to say that they, that the best five players on the court on the on the team will, will play better together on the court, and if they can manage that, that will help to write off a lot of the bench stuff. Man, on the Hornets side, the starting five playing really well: the Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, MKG, Marvin Williams, and Cody Zeller. For now, as Roy Hibbert still uh, rehabbing that knee injury, he's questionable uh, for Friday night's affair. Uh, but 16 minutes per game for the starting unit, they're shooting over 40% from three. And among lineups that have played 50 or more minutes together, they have an offensive rating of 109.7, defensive rating of 95.3. That's good for ninth in in net rating. So the Hornets playing well with the starting unit, but we're sort of opposite here. We're not twinsies on this one yeah. because the, the second unit for the Hornets has been a little inconsistent. And I think... One of the things you can point to as a reason why that's been is because they don't have a Tim Hardaway Jr. type player. They do. His name's Jeremy Lamb, but he's been on the bench with a hamstring injury. But they don't have that microwave type scorer that can get them in a groove offensively. And we've seen uh, some pretty terrible second quarters uh, from the Charlotte Hornets team from the second unit. And it's, uh, but luckily for the Hornets, the reason they're seven and three is because the starters have come out of the locker room seemingly every single game and, and lit the other team on fire, especially from beyond the arc and on defense as well. This is one of the the best 
third quarter teams in the National Basketball Association. So Hawks fans, watch out for the Hornets in the third quarter. I think that's going probably going to be the linchpin in this game, uh, the, how the starters play each other in that third quarter. Yeah, I would definitely tend to agree with you. And it's very, you know, I think Hawks fans and we diehards will remember that over the last couple of years, we were kind of begging for the starters to play more together because they were so they, they were so, so good when they were playing together. So that I can see how that is a, definitely a, a thing for you. And that, you know, it was almost Mike Budenholzer is almost too loose with his rotations, especially in the playoffs and things like that down the line where it's almost they're always going to play nine or ten guys, even if even in the playoff series. And they're not really uh, they're not really up to, uh, to pushing guys for minutes and things like that. So uh, I'm, I'm well aware and can identify with having a starting lineup that's much, much better than the rest of the units. I'm hoping that things flip a little bit for the Hawks. But uh, I was going to ask you about Charlotte's bench a little bit. I mean, obviously, Kemba Walker's been incredible as the best, as the best player on the team to this point. But, uh, I, you know, talk, talk to me about Frank Kaminsky a little bit. That's a guy I really liked in college and thought, mm-hmm. thought would be a pretty good player um, coming out of the gate. And I, I think he's been underrated a little bit, but at the same time, uh, you know, stacking up with the guy, with rest of the guys in, in that class, um, he's been sort of the guy who's been, uh, I would say, crapped on the most. So uh, <laughs> I, I t- tell, me, tell me what to think about Frank Kaminsky. Well, he's he's definitely frustrated me at times this season, but he really without Jeremy Lamb, he is the offensive spark for the second unit. He's not necessarily uh, the play creator. That's going to be Ramon Sessions, the backup point guard off the bench there. But uh, Frank Kaminsky, here are the frustrations. Okay, he's inconsistent with his three point shot, and he's getting wide open three point looks. He doesn't he doesn't have the the quote unquote gravity because he doesn't have respect from other players at the three-point line. So they run a lot of pick-and-pop with him, with uh, both Kemba and Ramon, and uh, and he's got wide-open looks. And, and there are games where where he's not able to knock it down, and then we saw uh, in the Hornets' last contest, uh, he was on fire, scored 20 points, was able to knock at three of seven from beyond the arc. I mean, he, he played really well. Now, defensively is where the other frustrations come in. Uh, that's something that was really his focus in the offseason was uh, sort of, yes, get consistent with the three-point shot because that's what it's going to take for him to survive in this league, but also get better defensively because we all know Steve, head coach Steve Clifford, very defensive-minded coach, and if you want to stay in the rotation, you have to play defense. Ask Jeremy Lamb. That's part of the reason he didn't play in the second half of last season. But the the frustrations for Frank is, okay, so – if he's playing someone a bigger and they post him up, he really doesn't have the ability to bother the shot. And if he's playing against a smaller defender, like he got matched up against Richard Jefferson when they played Cleveland, or I think back to the Miami series when he had to go toe to toe with Lowell Ding, he has tr- he's not very quick. He can't close short distances very quickly. And so what ends up happening is he overcompensates and just goes all out and ends up over pursuing on a closeout. You'll see it over and over, over pursuing on a closeout. And smaller guys, they know it and they take him off the dribble and they there's really no resistance behind him because, you know, he's normally playing with Cody Zeller or Spencer Hawes, and neither one of those guys really a dominant shot blocker. So that's really been the problem. And uh it it hasn't, you know, again, he is a guy that I think for this season is going to have to shoot well from three because the defense is still a work in progress. It may take another season of work before you know he's really able, because he's got to pick one. He's either got to bother a shot inside, or he's got to figure out how to close out without over-pursuing. So that's where the frustrations are. But, I mean, you look back at that last game, 20 points, 
off the bench, you know, consistent from three, and he's worked on his post moves as well. Those are the flashes that you see. If he can take care of, of some of these little things, he can be a very, very good player. There's still promise. There's still hope. Yeah, that's a guy I like a lot. So, you know, I, I definitely understand the frustrations that you've had. And uh, defensively is going to be the thing, like you said, you, you either have to do one or the other. You either have to be mobile or be able to protect the rim. And if you can't do either one of those, then it's all about hiding you. And I'm not sure Kaminsky's ever going to be good enough offensively to be a guy you want to you want to play a lot and have to hide defensively. So that's definitely a weird hybrid spot for him. Uh, I was going to ask you what you thought the biggest matchup in this game was. I could tell you mine, but I wanted to see if it's the same one. Well, I think it's going to end up being Marvin Williams versus Paul Millsap. And we haven't talked a lot about Millsap yet. He's actually, so Solomon Hill was my basketball crush last season. And I think my, <laughs> you know, it's weird to to have a crush on a guy that's been uh, in the league for as long as, as Paul has. But Paul Millsap uh, is my basketball crush this season. Uh, really, I've loved his game for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, I think... Uh, Marvin Williams uh, has is uh, definitely a player that's versatile defensively. He can cover you outside, and if you try to post him up, he's going to be aggressive. He can front you, and and still stay active. So I really think you know if, if the Hornets have uh, any shot at winning this game, they've got to be able to shut Paul Millsap down, and that's going to start with Marvin Williams. Yeah, that was one of mine. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, obviously, I'm actually a longtime defender of Marvin. Uh, Hawks fans, for the most part, uh, did not always enjoy the work of Marvin Williams, but I will he's certainly. Cha- yeah, and he's him. changed a lot. I mean, his, his and his uh, fitness regimen is a big story here in Charlotte for two seasons now. Uh, he and he, of course he signed the deal, the extension that he, you know he's getting paid, but he he got back into the gym immediately, and he's really you know as he gets older, you know he's sort of I think he's subscribing to that sort of LeBron James uh, kind of like obsession with taking care of your body in order to to deal with the grind of the season. And so, you know, you're seeing him be able to give an amount of intensity on the court uh, that, you know, would have been unsustainable maybe several years ago for him. But now he can give it night in and night out. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's off to a slow shooting start, but I, I trust that to bounce back a little bit as well. And I, I like Marvin. Uh, that's definitely an important matchup. And Paul actually has been off to a bit of a slow start by his, by his standards. He's still been very good. Uh, there's been some whispers locally. I think if the if the Hawks were winning less, uh, there'd be more uh, more calls about Paul, uh, quote unquote, struggling early on. Paul I'm calls. not worried at all. Yeah, I'm not I'm not at all worried about Millsap, but he did have the injury stuff in the preseason, so he's looking he's looked fine to me. The other matchup though I was going to bring up is point guard, and obviously I already referenced it, I, and I think you did as well. You know, Kemba's been absolutely incredible this year. Uh, keeping him under wraps, I think, will be huge for the Hawks. Uh, you know. Kim was basically been the luck. best point guard. In the, yeah, he's basically been the best point guard in the league, not named Steph Curry to this point in the year. Like that's how good Kim has been. Uh, and Dennis Schroeder has not been as good. He's been fine. I, I, I've been, you know, not. I wouldn't say super impressed or super disappointed in, in Schroeder. He's been about what I thought he'd be. Uh, but this is a very, very tall task for a guy facing off against one of the hottest players in the league. Uh, you know, I think keeping. I don't, I don't expect Dennis to like win that matchup or even break even, but if, if Kemba gets the, gets a, a lot of the advantage there, the Hawks could be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, the key to stopping, and nobody's been able to really do it for more than a quarter at a time, but you know he still gets bothered by traps. I mean, he, he still has to get a majority of his offense in the pick and roll. So, you know, you've got to force the ball out of his hands with, with traps, uh, you know, high up in the half court. 
and and teams again teams have been able to do it but you can't sustain that for an entire game so it's it's just about strategically picking the spots where you want to try to take Kimball Walker out of the game but his assist percentage is way up so you can't you know when Kimball Walker has the ball in his hands it's not like it used to be you can't assume that that he's got the ball and he's going to pull up for a mid-range shot or he's going to go go to the rim and, and try to score himself he's he's looking for other opportunities he's looking especially Cody Zeller that's been a big thing him and uh, Cody have really worked the pick and roll game very well so watch for that uh, I'd like to ask you about um, Denny Schroeder and Dwight Howard how have they worked the pick and roll game because we we previewed that when we talked to you earlier in the offseason you said that might be a key if they could establish that relationship it could mean big things for this offense have you seen anything early on it's been hit and miss, honestly. Uh, that's one of the that's one of the things I've been most concerned about. Uh, not that it's been awful, but you can certainly see that there is some uh, some progress to be made with that pairing. And I think uh, as some of the guys cool off off the bench, uh, you, you'll see more of a highlight on that. Um, you know, again, if, if Howard plays in this game, which I'm, I'm expecting him to play, it's going to be something that they have to take advantage of in order to uh, really take advantage of Charlotte in, on the interior. Um, with Howard, you know, I think it's I, I think I said it earlier, but his best trait is in the pick and roll. And I think the same could be said for Schroeder. He's not the most natural uh, distributor as a point guard. He's still more of a, of a shoot first guy. He does he, he does have some nice passing ability when he wants to. But part of the thing with Dennis is that he thinks he's the best player on the court at all times, which is usually a good thing and that he's very aggressive. But uh, I think putting him in those pick and roll situations with Dwight kind of opens things up for everybody else. Opens up the spacing, kind of just let Dennis probe more often than not. So I like to see them do it a little bit more, a little bit more effectively. But when it's going, it looks great. It's just uh, I think those two guys still need a, co- a little bit more time to work together. You know, still talking about a 10 or 11 game sample here with those two. And I think, you know, if you get into January and they're still struggling, I'd be more worried about that than I am now. But uh, there's a lot of progress to be made. All right, Brad, last question for you. Anyone who, or most people who grew up in the Charlotte area are, are Atlanta Braves fans. And uh, it's been a few years since I paid attention to the team. It's been a tough couple of years uh, for the Atlanta Braves. But they're making a couple of signings now. Bartolo Colon, the latest one. What's the deal? Are they, are they going to be any good this season? Um, I cover the Braves uh, yeah. more than I'd probably like to. Uh, Should I sometimes? start? I'm asking because I love Freddie Freeman. One of my favorite yeah, no, players of all time. Should I should I start paying attention again? Is what I'm asking you. I think this would be a good year to come back. You know, they're opening the new stadium. There's they're putting some money into the team. I don't think it's going to be a playoff team uh, this year, 2017. But by 2018, I think they're going to be pretty good. So yeah, I think this might be a great time to hop back on. I'm going to encourage my friends that have so, sort of fallen away in the way that you're that you're describing there to kind of start coming back because it's going to be at worst an entertaining team and at best maybe a fringe playoff contender if everything goes well. So it'd be a good time to, to come back on board. All right, I'm going to hold you to that, and and if things <laughs> go south, blame I'm, me. It's I'm, fine. Co- I'm coming for you. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, well, thanks for chatting with us. uh, Or thanks for chatting with me, Brad. It was fun. I like this. We should do this again next time the Hornets and the Hawks throw down. Absolutely. And uh, I think I speak for all Hawks fans when I say worst of luck on Friday. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I, I kid. Uh, You know, health for everyone. And we'll see. You know, may may the best team win. And we we know that uh, one of the fan bases will overreact violently uh, to whatever happens. That's true. That's true. There you go, folks. Big thanks to Brad Rowland for joining us there in the crossover episode. And here's the big thing. We didn't really talk about this, but I think Clifford mentioned this after the last game. The Hornets are not naturally physical. Okay? They have to step up a level 
in terms of effort to get to that physicality that allows them to beat certain teams. Well, I'm telling you right now, Atlanta is a physical team. Their defense is intense. Their defense is swarming. And when Dwight Howard's in the lineup, he'll body you up on defense. So the Hornets have to up their up their game in terms of their physicality. They've been beaten now twice in a, two games in a row on the boards. Atlanta Hawks don't rebound particularly well. So they cannot afford to lose the rebounding battle tonight to the Atlanta Hawks. All right, that's all the time we have for for this Friday edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for joining us all week. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. You can get all of these episodes. We we do these week daily. We're different from most podcasts. We give you these short clips previewing and recapping every single game. We're with you every day of the week. Pop us on when you're on the way to work. Maybe you hit the gym in the morning or lunchtime. These are short enough to hit us during lunch or on your way home. Just pop us on, get caught up on all the Hornets news and notes and analysis that you need. We're always there for you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be live tweeting the game tonight on Locked On on at Locked On Hornets. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Enjoy your weekend. We're back next week with more shows. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Beat the Hawks. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.